And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. This is the Athletic Baseball Show on the Athletic Podcast Network. Greetings and welcome to Starkville. Baseball Hall of Famer Jason Stark. And then the robot said, strike. That's why you're going in the Hall of Fame. It's an inside the park home run. Doug Gladwell. Mike Trout is coffee. At Starbucks with a double latte, skinny. Doug, are you ready to make some podcast magic? I am ready. Bring on the magic wand. Let's do it. (laughs) Greetings and welcome to Starkville. I am Jason Stark. I write about baseball for The Athletic. I'm joined once again. By my good friend, writer, broadcaster, professor, distinguished former major leaguer, and the voice of Sunday Night Baseball on ESPN Radio, Doug Glanville. Yes. Doug, here we are, man. We've got a week to go in the season. Whew. I'm not sure how that man. happened, but here we are. So uh, aside from the, the, the grand finale in Cleveland of our guest this week, Whew. Terry Francona. Yeah. Here's my question. What is the one story that you can't stop following or thinking about this week? Ooh, just need one. Just one. Okay, well. Just one? I'm going to say Ronald Acuna Jr. Um, I think what might appear on the back of his card is has never been seen before. Uh, I'm just, I, every time I look, I'm like, let me just look at this guy's stats. And I'm like, yeah. this makes no sense. Um, I haven't looked at him recently, but I, you know, first of all, he could be forty seventy if he isn't already. I don't know what, you know, forty seventy. All right, that's to stop there. Maybe by the time as we tape this, he's not. But, but by the time this thing actually airs, yeah, he could he be. Probably is. Yep. He probably is. He he's hearing this in the future, and um, but then the strikeout totals and the, the walks—they're like one to one ratio. Come on, and you know, batting average. I mean, it's it's absurd what he's doing. So I'm so I don't have my Otani anymore right now, which is very upsetting. So now the first box score I look at is Ronald Acuna Jr. So that's what I'm looking forward to. I just want to see how this guy ends because this is just insane. Yeah. That's a good choice. Um, You're probably interested in what I'm looking at. Okay. So I'll tell you. I'm obviously hanging on the National League wildcard race uh, very closely because it will directly affect my life, where I travel, what games I attend in October. But like I have to admit, I can't stop thinking – about the AL West, because what happens if the dust settles next Sunday and the Astros, Rangers, and Mariners are all tied, not just for first place, but also for the last wildcard spot? It means one of those teams is going home, right? Right. And they won't play it off because we don't do that anymore. It'll come down to some 17th tiebreaker. So we don't even know right now who would go home if they tied because they have so many games against each other Ooh. the rest of the way? Wow. 
I actually have the MLB three-way tiebreaker formula okay. as a tab on my screen what does it say? at all times right now. Oh. Does that seem healthy? It doesn't seem yeah. that healthy to me. I mean, you could always have a duel. And then in this case, three-team duel. <laughs> and they call it a day. Yeah. Um, well, I, I can't wait to watch it all unfold. And uh, so right now, as we're recording this on Friday, yes. um, which is a little tricky because okay. uh, the the Mariners and Rangers are going to play three times between now and, I will and be when there, this thing actually. By the way, well, I'm glad you're going to be, be there because this will be in the future. So you've already been there. Yes. But let's not confuse That's people. True. Um, I like the time. Okay, so right now, yes. Right now, the Mariners would win the division because they have the best record against the other two. The Astros would get the wild card spot because they have a better record against the Rangers. But that could all change by next Sunday. Absolutely. So I guess my advice would be keep coming back to the athletic because we'll be all over it. And I have this three-way tiebreaker thing on my screen. Doug, it always makes me happy. When Terry Francona joins us, just because we've both known him for so long and he's one of our favorite people in baseball. But I have to admit, this week, it also makes me a little sad because even though he's having a hard time saying that R word out loud, Terry Francona has dropped about a thousand hints that he's heading into the final week of his managerial career. So here he is. The manager of the Cleveland Guardians, Terry Francona. Welcome back to Starkville. Thanks, guys. It's 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 an honor to be here. And to your point, you know, I, I, there's a reason that there's been a lot of hints. Um, I don't think it's ever supposed to be about the manager, but I don't want to ever fib to people when they ask me stuff. But the real, the real truth to it is, is I think it's the best way to be fair to the organization, like so they can start to figure out what they want to do without having the burden of me in out in out. I've been real honest with my bosses, and so they can start to their process to find the next guy. That's kind of why we did it the way we did it. Uh huh. It, it is it hard for you to say that word retire. <laughs> no, it really is. I'll tell you what, really? Jason, from about June until I talked to Chris and Cherney, probably middle of August. Yeah, it was hard. I was really wrestling with it. And it was kind of making me mad because it was consuming a lot of my thoughts. And that's not a healthy thing, especially for a manager. And then once I came to the decision, like, hey, I got to talk to these guys, I felt back to being myself. So I knew it was the right thing. I just, it took some time to get there. And I think that's probably only realistic. You know, when you've done something so long, you don't want to make a decision overnight, but it's, it's a good time. Um, I never want to overstay or stay for the wrong reasons. And there's things I'm not able to do even just because physically and and I don't want to I don't want to just stay to stay. That's not that's not how I feel. And there's there's always got to be a huge respect for the game. 
look, I know you love managing, um, you know, despite all that goes with it sometimes. Uh, let me ask it this way. How hard is it or has it been to imagine yourself not managing? But it, and that's the good part. It really hasn't been that hard. Um, I think I'm looking forward to right when the season's over, I'm going to get another set of surgeries. I do that every year. And, <laughs> and it'll take me a while to, to kind of get healthy. But I'm really looking forward to to seeing like what's next and and what do I miss? You know, how much do you miss it? Uh, do you miss it? Um, you know, I thought when I got done playing, I would be a typical because that's all I'd ever done. And I put my equipment bag away and never looked at it again. And, you know, I, I gave everything I had. It was time and I moved on. I'm kind of looking forward to this now just to see how I do feel. And I'm not worried about like, you know, there's no timetable for the first time in my life and I can take a deep breath and, and like I said, get healthy and then we'll see what happens. Well, Tito, is there, was there a difference, you know, coming to the moment of retiring as a player versus, versus a manager uh, you know, the, the, the feelings, the grappling, did you have the same kind of process or how are they different? Well, you know, I think the, as a player, it comes a little more abrupt and, and other people had a lot to do with that too. <laughs> you know, that's, um, they kind of retired me and I don't blame them, but I think a lot of the same stuff, you know, I was pretty beat up as a player and I think I'm pretty beat up now as a manager and, it's just, it just seems like a good time. And, you know, not many people in this game are able to leave on their own. You know, usually there's somebody else making the decision for them. That's why when I talked to Chris and Cherney about this for the last month, I told him, I said, Hey man, don't tiptoe around me, you know, go enjoy finding the next guy. I mean, you guys aren't firing me. I've loved my time here. And I mean, I have cherished it and I want them to enjoy going and finding the next guy because I want them to be successful here. Uh, listen, we promised you we wouldn't spend the whole conversation grilling you about a word that you, <laughs> you haven't said yet. Well, so. it's, it's a little easier today, Jay, just because yesterday they kind of announced that or the other day that they're going to do something next i guess wednesday so they're it's a little away easier for thank me you tito t-shirts <laughs> once you give out t-shirts man there's no going back <laughs> no exactly but but here, here's what i would love um to spend the rest of the show doing as someone who has spent the last 25 years listening to your great stories i'd love to do some reminiscing with you about teams players sure. even games yeah. you've managed does that sound good to you oh yeah heck yeah Okay, well, then oh, I, I would say we have to start here. How much longer do you think you would have managed if you didn't have to manage that Doug Manager? <laughs> <laughs> um, that's off, a loaded question. Um, <laughs> yes, you know what? of course. And I don't want to embarrass him, but I'm going to. But guys like Doug are the reason guys like me manage for as long as we do. Because... Good, bad, or in between on the results. When when guys show up, give you an honest day's work, try their hardest, are a solid citizen, a great teammate, that's kind of why we do this. And that's your partner to a T. So I know it's probably embarrassing him, but tough. 
<laughs> well, thank Doug, you. how embarrassed are you right now? <laughs> no, very appreciative, uh, Tito. And, uh, you know, you remember I arrived in Philly in a trade. Uh, the trade was on like literally hours shortly after my grandfather passed away. And everybody knows I was a huge Phillies fan. And I remember during the press conference that kind of introduced me you know, remotely, they said, you don't sound very excited, you know, and they kind of realized that, yeah, I was dealing with the loss of my grandfather. It was the first Christmas I remember we were, my family was divided because my mom and my brother went down to North Carolina to, um, you know, get everything prepared for the services. So I came in in this like whirlwind and Lenny Dykstra was kind of like semi-retired and coming back. <laughs> and uh, and then, you know, Tito was great. You know, I get there at spring training and it was just like ease. It was just such a good fit. Immediately knew that this was going to be like a, a situation where I could grow into this. So um, I from day one, I appreciate it because, you know, he was, you know, Terry Francona is always like play hard, you know, respect that. And, you know. I'll let the rest fall, but he's like, you got to put your best effort in every day. And he's like, I'm not going to say anything unless you're, you're not hustling out there. So it allowed us to focus on, you know, the things that we could develop, knowing that, as Sean Dunstan say, you know, hustling is free. Like, you know, it doesn't cost anything. It doesn't take talent. <laughs> and he allowed us to, to understand that primarily. So, um, so yeah, so many, you know, great times of just laughing and we, we had so much fun. I guess one story, <clears throat> I think I mentioned it, but I want to repeat it about when you find Bobby Abreu, would love him, but he was always late, <laughs> especially early on. <laughs> and uh, and so Terry finds him, and uh, now I, I think I got this right. So he comes in. So was it 250? I, I think it was. Yeah, back yeah, then, that was, back yeah, then. that seemed pretty substantial. So he's like, dude, like, I can't, you know, you, you got it 250 this is it 250 it just says 250 right so bobby you know you never could tell with bobby like how good his english was because he was always kind of like very charismatic and so <laughs> he walks in and i think terry can handle the rest right he walks in and and what does he do t tito put two dollars and fifty cents on my desk <laughs> <laughs> and i didn't know 250 you know, like like Doug said, I didn't know quite how. To, I'm like, whoa, this this might not be going in a good direction. <laughs> <laughs> Tremendous. All right, so uh, since we went here, what what do you have a favorite Philadelphia story? That is where it all began for you. Um, like it could be as a manager, or the the really great times you had after you'd gotten fired and you had to go back to the vet as a scout. Yeah, that you know the the one that makes seems that's kind of funny and it's kind of fitting probably for. My four years there was my last year. They started to move my parking spot, like maybe <laughs> weekly, just because fans were kind of starting to, you know, and, and as you know, really? they're not shy in voicing their opinion. And the last game, home game, we were headed out to finish the year on the road. It was fan appreciation day. I go up to my car and all of my tires were <laughs> splashed. And the timing was impeccable. As I'm kind of out inspecting my car, Brad Mills drives by in his car. And that was like the last person that I ever wanted. And he thought it was the greatest thing in the world. Now, the good part was I got a ride to the airport. The bad news was Millsy, you know, was like chatty Kathy. He told everybody in the whole 
organization and it, it just it was kind of fitting for my four years there <laughs> it wasn't it was never manager appreciation day huh? no that would be a good way to put it and then after i mean you know you know i lived there for years after that i remember oh, yeah. being at one of my kids volleyball games and a guy came up to me and he actually said to me he goes i can't believe you still live here <laughs> like, like man i got kids man <laughs> you know he goes i thought i thought you you would get out of here and it, he didn't say it real kindly <laughs> for the record that guy was not me. no 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 <laughs> although we did see each other at a few volleyball games right so um do you have a favorite story about the vet you managed at veterans stadium mm-hmm. what a place you know part of a couple that are that are that one is Bill Giles, who anybody that has been around Bill, I mean, he is like everybody's grandfather. Mm-hmm. And I love the guy. I mean, love him. And he would always ask me, he goes, can I put my workout stuff in your locker? <laughs> and I would laugh because I'd come into the ballpark around noon and he'd be laying on my floor <laughs> in his workout stuff. And I'd be like, Bill, what are you doing? And he'd do like one sit up, go put his workout stuff away. But it just, I mean, those types of memories of, of him, like, I love the guy, like he'd take us golfing and, and, you know, you couldn't pay for anything when he was around. I just, I though, you, you know, when you, I felt bad because we, we want, I wanted to win so bad because I know how bad he wanted it and we just weren't very good. But I just, to this day, I just feel so much love for him that I just, I, it's hard to keep it bottled up. He's just that type of guy. Oh, yeah. And, and uh, well, I think of Philly in many ways and, uh, you know, just so many great memories. Uh, you know, we, uh, you know, the staff, you know. So I guess, is there anything that comes to mind about some of the most powerful lessons that you, like takeaways that you can say, this is true about, you know, being in this game. You know, I think, Dougie, the biggest thing was I felt like, you know, like you were saying earlier, play the game hard, play the game with respect. And if you do that, I felt like it was my job to kind of protect you guys because we were getting beat up pretty good. And and I probably took a, a little bit of a beating myself for that from the press and the public. But – I think it really reinforced how I did feel about the game. And then you go to a place like Boston where they're kind of built to win, but you also know how you feel about the players. And that's when it has a chance to get really special. But I remember Howard Eskin asking me like 10 years later, how I got so much better as a manager. And I looked (laughs) at him like, I kind of the same person. Like, you know, it's just, it just, if you have to explain it, it's probably not worth explaining. <laughs> oh, so the players apparently had something to do with it. Who knew? <laughs> yeah. All right, let, let's talk about the Red Sox. I, I mean, I don't even know where to begin, but uh, what, what, what is your favorite memory of games four, five, six, and seven? of that 2004 ALCS. Pretty you know, memorable time. Jace, I've, I've said this a lot of times. Those are probably the four funnest baseball days of my life. And what I think is true, and I know it's true, I didn't wait for it to be over. 
to go, oh my goodness, that was cool. <laughs> I loved every minute of it. I remember when we were when Dave Roberts was leaving the dugout and I winked at him, I never thought for a minute he would be out or we would lose. And, and it's like, you know, when you look back on it, man, there's a lot of ways that could have gone the wrong direction, <laughs> but, but it just, I, I just, it was fun. Like I, I loved it. And, you know, would it ever turn out the same again? Probably not. I mean, the, the, the odds are, kind of against you but it was really something and it, it's probably fitting all the times they lost and all the ways they lost to win like that was probably fitting yeah you, you know we've had kevin millar on this show mm -hmm. telling the story of his epic walk off mariano which was the biggest moment of the comeback as you <laughs> all know <laughs> we've had dave roberts on telling his story about the his side of the stolen base i don't think we've ever had you tell your version of it, how, uh, I mean, it was the stolen base that changed everything. And yet it feels like you kind of saw it happening in your head before the inning ever started. The funny part is, so we were down in the tunnel and back in 04, that tunnel was small because they hadn't had the batting cage down there yet. We're down there in the tunnel and it's Bill Miller because he's hitting second. And we got Dave Roberts down there and Millar. And I said, okay, Millar's going to get on. I said, Dave's going to pinch run. I said, he's going to try to steal. And then I'm telling Billy Miller, but we had done this in Anaheim about five days before, and Dave couldn't get a good jump, so he didn't run. So I said, now, Billy, if he can't get a jump, we might have to have you bunt. And Bill Miller's looking at me like, are you kidding me? <laughs> Face Mariano Rivera, I'm supposed to look out one eye. So that's quite a why I wanted Dave to go on the first pitch because we needed to free Billy up a little bit. Because I don't think people talk enough about Billy Miller. I mean, that what a year. I mean, and that hit, man. I mean, that stone base was unbelievable. But if he pops up, that doesn't mean as much. Yeah. Do you, do you ever play the what if game in your head? What if Dave Roberts hadn't been safe by like one sixty fourth of an inch? <laughs> I know that ownership had a letter out to the ready to send out to the fans an apology for our lackluster performance. Um, well. So I probably wouldn't have been managing there very long. <laughs> my guess. Uh, wow. As I said, the stolen base had changed everything. Right, Doug? No, it did. And uh, well, and you know, the green light, I guess that's makes me think of that. Like you were always very free and still to this day, about, you know, hey, run, just trust the players. What, where did that come from where you kind of – everybody didn't matter about speed. It was always about choosing the right moment. Where did that come from? You know, Dougie, it's funny you say that because Dustin Pedroia told me something a couple years ago. We were just talking, and, and anybody knows how much I love Dustin. And he told me something in a conversation. He goes, you know, Tito, he goes, you trusted us. And it kind of hit me because I want to trust the players. You know, I, I can tell you to go to, from point A to B to C, but that's not going to be as good. Once I know you understand what we're trying to do, I think letting good players go play allows them more freedom. And I think they're better players. I think it makes it more fun, but it also makes them better. And, and that's the idea is, okay, like, I don't want to look up and have some guy running 
and it's going to surprise the whole, you know, surprise me. So we work hard at communicating so players understand, but then I think you turn them loose. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. You know, I wanted to ask you about Dustin Pedroia, so I'm going to do it. I, I, you and that guy were like a comedy act. Do, do you have a favorite Dustin Pedroia story that still makes There's you There's about a thousand of them. He, <laughs> he, he, he's, he was, I always tell people, when he walked into the room, it sounded like it, the, the room got brighter. It's like the bulbs got brighter. But he, he had this way about him. He used to mess with John Farrell all the time, and and John one day picked him up, and, and it was so easy. He just kind of grabbed him, picked him up, and he put him headfirst into the garbage can. <laughs> and and his little feet are waving, and you could hear like, there's like an echo. And he's like, you can't do this to me. I'm the MVP. It was Petey. He was so – he could say things, but they were so genuine and harmless and endearing that like, I mean, I'd have a, a make-a-wish kid in my office and he'd come in and rip his shirt open and go, kid, you can do anything you want. <laughs> like, just had a way about him that was just, I mean, I, if if you don't appreciate and love him, you're, you, you, you don't have it in you. Boy, that guy was one of a kind. Um, let, let me ask you about Manny Ramirez, too. I I mean, I know it wasn't always easy managing that guy, but you you must have a Manny story <laughs> that you tell that makes the whole room crack up. You know, Jace, the hard part with Manny was he had some endearing qualities, but when you're in charge of a team, it could be hard. And it was hard sometimes. I mean, real hard. And so sometimes I have a hard time letting that part go because some of the things that happened – yeah, sure. Offended me. But one of my funniest ones was, and it wasn't funny at the time, <laughs> but we're playing the Yankees and we lost that five-game series and I think they called it the Boston Massacre. And in the fifth game, the trainer came up and says, Tito Manny's got a bad hammy. He's he's coming out or something. I go, oh, what else could go wrong? And I leaned back in my chair and here he's coming down the dugout with his bat and his glove. And I go, Manny, which which one? And he goes, pick one. <laughs> In other words, I'm coming out. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, wow. Great. Medical. He defied medical science in many ways. Yeah. I think that's safe to say. And one, one of my favorite that I've heard you tell was the was from the 
2004 World Series, right? When Yachty was accusing Manny of trying to steal signs. They were they were kind of down towards the end, and they were, I think, looking for a last gasp. And Manny, when it was up, getting in the box, nothing's going on. And all of a sudden, you can see Yachty and Manny kind of going back and forth, and you can just tell by the body language that it's not good. So I kind of pop out of the dugout, and I think Chuck Merriweather was the umpire. And I got out there, and I go, Chuck, what's going on? And Manny says, Tito, Yachty's accusing me of stealing their signs. And I just kind of matter-of-factly said, oh, I said, don't. I said, Yachty, he doesn't even know our signs. I said, don't worry about it, man. And just turn around and walk back to the dugout. I'm sure that was true, right? He didn't know your signs. Yeah. Doug Glanville always knew the signs. I tried. Yes, I tried to know that. So did you have like, um, I guess when you look at uh, this, I mean, this life in the game, really, and, and you think of your dad and, you know, what um, are there, I guess, mentors or people that you kind of now have perspective on about some of the lessons they gave you that you can kind of put full circle? You know, all the way back to high school, the guy's name was Greg Fazio and wasn't all that much older than me. But he he made baseball really fun. And I thought my dad did a great job not getting his lawn chair and going and sit out in right field. So this guy never felt, you know, like that shadow of my dad. Mm -hmm. And then I went to college and Jerry Kindle was the perfect guy to play for, for a young guy that I know it's probably hard to imagine now, but had a hair, hair or two loose that, you know, wanted to see everything and try everything and, you know, be a typical teenager. My, there was a reason my parents wanted me to play for him and he was a blessing and then, you know, the other guy that really has probably the biggest influence in my career is Buddy Bell. And, you know, Buddy, I roomed with Buddy in Cincinnati. He hired me with, with the White Sox for my first job in the minor leagues. I went to be his third base coach with the Tigers. And so much of what I believe in the game is because of Buddy. And I think I'm, you know, I've, I've told people, million times the one thing i'll brag about is i think i've been around more good people in the game than anybody else in the history of the game and i still believe that um that, there's certain things that like we have to ask you about before we let you go um yeah you, you have to tell a michael jordan story oh. just one right <laughs> Speaking of good people you were around. Yeah. I mean, there's so many that good stories. I mean, you know, what was nice is when you, when you're around Michael, once he trusts you and you're kind of can be, because, because, you know, when you're him, I get it. You can't just throw out that circle of trust, man, because everybody wanted to get at him, but I would watch him on these bus rides. You know, you're looking at an eight, 10, 12 hour bus ride through the South and he was happy. And it finally dawned on me that people couldn't get to him and he had time to relax and whether he wanted to play dominoes or Yahtzee or he was really enjoying it. And, and so, you know, people ask me all the time now, do I talk to him? Yeah. Every once in a while. And it's not because I don't want to but I saw how he lived his life and how many people were trying to get at him. And I just think when you're a good enough friend, you don't need to bug somebody. And I saw just, 
I saw how he treated people and how he reacted in situations. And it was just so good. I mean, he treated our coaches in Birmingham with so much respect and, and that made it work. It made it be easy to be patient with him in baseball. And, and he deserves a lot of, you know, it was kind of fashionable to get on him at the time for doing it. And he was so respectful to the game. And that meant a lot to me. But, you know, and then you were managing World Series games in Cleveland and LeBron was there. It's, <laughs> right, right. You connect a lot of dots. You know, watching LeBron, I used to, you know, for a while there, I had Cavs tickets. And I would show up when I was in town about an hour before the game because I wanted to watch how they interacted before the game. And sometimes I'd leave in the third quarter, even of a good game, but I, I liked watching before the game, like going early and watching Steph Curry do his shoot around, watching LeBron do his thing. Those are things that I really, I, I do it now at the U of A. I go to the game 45 minutes early. I, I, me and my buddy are the only two people there. I love that part of it <laughs> because I think you it's enjoyable to watch guys, how they're getting ready to compete. You know, I do that too. I love to do that too. Um, well, do you have the Jordan? Uh, how about the Jordan scouting report? Like, what what did you conclude beginning and then end? Like, you know, how he started. I mean, because I remember in Orlando, he would beat us to our own field, and he was he was in the batting cage before the game, after the game. It's like, I mean, the work ethic was insane. So I was, you know, like, how did how did you where did you see him going? I mean, if anybody could have done it with so little experience, it seemed like he could have. And that's what I've tried to tell people is I don't think it's fair to make an assessment on until he had another, like a thousand at bats because it just wasn't fair. But I do believe, and I found out you tell him, no, he's going to find a way to make the answer be yes. And from the beginning of April in Birmingham till the end of in November in Scottsdale at the fall league, he had really gotten better. And I mean, he found a way in the Southern League to drive in 50 or, and he stole 30 and he didn't even really know where he was going. And he went out to the Fall League and I think he had 255. I think he'd have found a way to get to the major leagues. I really do. I mean, he could go left and right about as good as anybody, and which is not shocking. <laughs> and he could steal a base now. But And I've never seen somebody, he never ran out of energy. I don't know how he did it. I mean, he he never ran out of energy. He could play eighteen holes in the morning, play nine at <laughs> night, and he's still ready to go. <laughs> That's why he's Michael Jordan. Yeah, yeah exactly. We 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 haven't dug nearly enough Cleveland. And you know what? I would like to ask you about the twenty-two game winning streak um, that was twenty seventeen. How would you describe what it's like to manage a baseball team that doesn't lose a game for three weeks? It was pretty fun, Jason. I know that. <laughs> You know, it's funny because, we, we, you know, people look at your schedule and they're like, oh, man, you're coming into the teeth of your schedule. We had to go to New York and we had a double header. And and it just kind of kept going. But we 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 try to stay in the moment so well that, you know, you I mean, I admit it was enjoyable, but I didn't really get too caught up in it. Like and I remember it's funny that the, the night we lost, I came in and Chris and Cherney were sitting on my couch and I'm like. God, losing still sucks. Like even, <laughs> even when you won twenty two in a row, but it, it was fun because I thought our guys did a good job. We used everybody, 
we didn't stay away from people. So everybody felt a part of it. And and so that was, I think, the good part of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, is, is there a moment from that streak, the Jay Bruce Homer, maybe? That was when you kind of started to sh- shake your head like, wow. <laughs> you know, and, and I mean, we, it just, it just, when I look back, I mean, that's, I don't, I mean, that's a pretty, pretty interesting accomplishment for a team because in, in this game, it's just so easy to lose a game and go three weeks without it, man. That, that was, that was a good three weeks. <laughs> right. It, it, is there one game or one move or one moment that you're going to remember forever when you think back on your time as a manager? Oh boy. I mean, you know, I, 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 one that comes to mind is, you know, when we were in the World Series in 2016, we were pretty shorthanded because guys were so beat up. And I just, but I loved our guys. I mean, we had guys like Josh Tomlin and, I mean, it just, you know, Kluber on short rest. And and I remember telling Chris and Cherney, you know, we, we had gotten Andrew Miller and I said, hey, I said, I'm, I might try to leverage this a little bit. And then they looked up in the fifth inning and he's in there from the fifth to the eighth. But, <laughs> and, and I remember Andrew, you know, just, he was such a weapon, but he was also a willing weapon. Like this kid, you know, he was pitching so much. And when I'd go at night, he's in the training room because he knew he was going to pitch the next day. And it was just made you feel like, man, this is, this is what it's about. And that's why I thought we might win is because guys like him. Yeah. It, it, I don't know how to ask this. It, what, what do you think is the dumbest move you ever made as a manager that turned out great? Uh, I tell you what, I, I know what I think people think is the dumbest move is, and Dougie probably remembers this, but in Philadelphia, you know, they had Scott Rowan. I think it was Scott Rowan bobblehead day. Oh yeah. And it was on a Sunday and I had talked to Scotty earlier in the week and I said, Scotty, I know you're exhausted. And he goes, I'm pretty beat up. I go, let's get to Sunday. Cause then we have Monday off too. I said, it'll be really, and he goes, perfect. He goes, I can get to Sunday. Well, he came in Saturday to my office and he said, do you know there's a bobblehead day tomorrow? And I said, no, I wasn't aware. And he goes, you're going to get killed. <laughs> he goes, I'll play. And I said, Scotty, do you need the day off? And he goes, it would be good for me. I said, then you're off. And and I remember I took a lot, a lot of heat for that, but I think Scotty appreciated it. And that's what I cared about. So for one person to appreciate it, it outweighed all the booing that, that believe me, it was, it was well worth it. Well, just so you know, since he just got honored, by the Phillies in the wall of fame. And that day has come up quite a bit. So I, I don't know what it meant to the rest of the town. Yeah, I think, <laughs> I think I know. Yeah, I think you do too. But for Scotty to appreciate it, that's all that, that made it more than worthwhile. Well, I just thought of one story. I was curious if you remember this, but there was a period where I had a nice stolen base streak going and I was running a lot and we're at the vet. And um, I stole second base, and the ball comes in. Guy catches it, and then, you know, puts the courtesy tag on me. I was standing on the base. So it was like I stole that base by 10 feet. 
and umpire calls me out. And you walk out there and you're like, I, I know you know you got this wrong. You, you need to change the call. He's like, I can't. And he thought he'd like daydreamed and thought it was a force play. So that when he caught it, you know, he's pretty <laughs> So do you remember that play? Did, did, yes. what? Charlie Williams, Charlie Williams, I believe, was the umpire. And he, he goes, Tito, I'm so sorry. He goes, I just whiffed. And I said, Charlie, if I leave this field and not get thrown out, I said, these fans here. And he says, well, he goes, you got to tell me something bad. And I said, Charlie, don't make me do that. I said, I don't feel that way. But I said, I can't let these people. I said, they're going to kill me. <laughs> I do remember that. <laughs> so, so it was just a mercy ejection? Well, I mean, I finally said something. But I was like, Charlie, I, I don't mean that. I said, I just wish you'd call right <laughs> Yeah, it was it was oh, surreal. I mean, it, I was, wanted, it was. It was. I, so I want to ask, but Roland, though, one thing that was interesting about Roland, and I remember an interview one spring training, they asked him about goals, and he he always said, "I don't I don't have any goals." He'd always to reject that, and his his response was always, "Well, if I set my goal to have thirty home runs, and then I get to thirty, am I done? Do I just shut the season down?" So you know, and Roland always had his different thinking, but that was. It's kind of central to him being like, <clears throat> central to him being like, well, I'm gonna, I could be as good as the sky. You know, who knows? Uh, so I'm curious if you set goals, um, and if so, or if not, I guess what is there anything you look back and saying, well, I wish I accomplished this, or I had this, or is that does that cross your mind at all? You know, Dougie, it, it really never has. What I try to do. I try so hard every day to be the best I can for the players in the organization. I always feel like if, if I put the players and the organization first, my situation would take care of itself. I felt like that back in Birmingham and in South Bend. Well, it's 30 years later and I'm still doing this. I, I just think that's the way it's meant to be. And that's why, I've wanted this last month to be kind of quiet about me because that's not what it's supposed to be about. It's supposed to be about the players. And I'm really comfortable with that. I, I had my chance and, and now, you know, there is their turn to, to play and see how good they can be. And I'm more than good with that. Hey, listen, I can't let you leave without telling the ice cream story from the 2016 world series. Um, oh, so please tell that one one more time. We'll, we'll be grateful like, that you did. You know, it, it's, it was like, it was in Chicago. What was it like? I think the bill was like $76 or something. <laughs> I couldn't get room service. Like I was begging them. Like I couldn't sleep. I had, I had scoops of chocolate, strawberry, vanilla. It ended up like on my... So chest you, you fell asleep in the middle of the yeah, night yeah i woke up in a puddle of like like it was not good man it looked like somebody got murdered in my room um that's I'm, that's happened a lot of times like that was just during the world series and people cared about it but that happens quite that that actually happened a couple nights ago i had a what was it a piece of rigatoni stuck to my chest it it happens all the time you woke up with rigatoni <laughs> Stuck to I, always, you know, I, I go home from the game and the first thing I do is get off my feet because my legs are killing me and I'll either read or I'll watch Netflix or something. And inevitably I just fall asleep. 
and whatever's next to me ends up usually under me. <laughs> okay. So so hopefully you can clean that up. It's, uh, <laughs> you stop managing. The, one, one of our clubhouse kids goes over every once a week just to help me out a little bit. And he's like, God, he goes, you had a bad night. And we all kind of laugh about it. <laughs> right. Well, Tito, is there, okay, is well, there one, one thing I was thinking about? You're the one who introduced us to Money Heist, right? The show, was it? That's right. Yeah. Just thinking that. So I was the greatest. That was great. Uh, so I'm curious, is there, you know, what do you look forward to? Is there, like, what, what do you see yourself doing? You know, like, are there well, shows, movies you want to see? Like, you know what? You know what, Dougie, I've been, I've been catching myself doing lately is when I'm on, if I'm on my computer or my phone and there's an ad that comes up like visit London or, you know, like <laughs> some stuff I've never even thought about before, I'll, I'll get on it and read it and think, Hey, you know, I've never done that. Like my buddies <laughs> in Tucson, they're putting together a trip, a golf trip to Ireland next year. They've done it several times. Yep. I've never been able to do it. Yeah. I want to get healthy enough where I can go over there and play golf. And so those are things I guess I'm starting to think about and kind of gets me a little excited. Yeah. So all right, let's think about it. Next year, this time, last week of the baseball season, what do you imagine you'll be doing? Well, I mean, I, I think I'll be a part of this organization. Um, I don't know doing what. I think Chris and Cherney have been so good about allowing me some time to kind of get my thoughts in order and see, like I said, I don't know what I'm going to miss. And, you know, it's, it's, you can't, and I'm okay with that. But then as I start to maybe formulate whether they're emotions or thoughts, I'll talk to Chris and Cherney about it and figure out where I can maybe be productive, but I, I need some time for that. Yeah. I noticed you didn't predict you'd be hanging out in Starkville next year this time, but I want you hey, to know. listen to me. Hey, listen, Jace. If any time I'm invited to Starkville, you can count me. As long as we don't have a day game that day, you're, you can count me in. All right, careful what you wish for, but you should know you are welcome back here anytime. And next time you can tell stories about us. That'd be fine. The only okay, thing so. I might be doing is if I'm coaching my grandson's little league team, it's a day game. I might have to put you off for another day, okay? <laughs> all right. We're going to let him slide. I think we will, Doug, we'll right? That's all right. Let's love, we, we're, we're working on the statue, though. The front card, We always keep statues. <laughs> away, so. yeah. yeah, yeah. That'll be ready any century now. <laughs> all right. Terry Francona, always awesome to have you here, man. Uh, it, like, savor every minute the rest of the way because it's going to be special. Thanks, Jason. You know what? Can I – I actually, I think I've savored the last 11 years. Yeah. I mean, I I told Chris and Cherney, that's been what I've enjoyed. And so I don't, I mean, I am going to, you know, the last week, but I, I've loved my time here. So that's why I think why I'm so comfortable. I've been, I've been fine and I've enjoyed it and I'm okay with everything. So I enjoyed visiting with you guys, seeing Dougie there brings back such good memories. So it was fun to visit with you guys. Well, pleasure was ours. So thank you, my friend. We, we'll see you somewhere. I'm, I'm sure I'll, not that far down the road, we'll get to hang out with you on induction weekend in Cooperstown. Well, I'll see you somewhere. How's that? <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> All right, Tito. Thank you. 
Are you struggling to close deals? B2B selling is tougher than ever, and that's why I want to tell you about LinkedIn Sales Navigator. One more great product from LinkedIn. You're there to network, you're there to look for jobs, you're there to post jobs, and how about LinkedIn Sales Navigator? It's a sales intelligence platform that helps professionals effectively prospect and engage high-value customers, drive higher revenue, and increase sales performance. Sales Navigator helps you target the right buyers, surface key signals such as job changes or which accounts you should prioritize and shows you hidden allies so you can find those buyers that are most likely to convert. Fueled by LinkedIn's 1 billion member platform, Sales Navigator gives you the most up-to-date first-party data enabling you to unlock conversations with the people that matter. Right now, you can try LinkedIn Sales Navigator and get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com slash baseball show. That is linkedin.com slash baseball show for a 60-day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com slash baseball show and get started. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. All right, it's that time again. It's time for Listener Trivia, our way of involving you, our favorite listeners, in this show. Uh, You know, Doug, as I mentioned last week, we haven't had a single month all season, including spring training, where we got zero questions right. Mm -hmm. But we're 0 for September. Mm -hmm. This is our final Stark fill of September. Mm. Are, are you feeling it, man? Well, yeah, I figured not? we're we're stockpiling for <laughs> the playoffs. <laughs> we got to stockpile for the playoffs, man. So I'm just <laughs> I'm like I'm in low power like safe mode on your computer. I just go a little lower, just to conserve energy. And then boom, when we're sleep deprived all through October, we're gonna hit them all. Boom, boom, boom. So I'm okay. I'm okay. okay so we, what are you conceding? We're not even gonna get this one today. I'm just I, no. I think... I'm only conceding it's not necessary for greatness to be found. Um, but because I, I think we're going to just get hot in October. But um, yeah, I'm going to put all my... Okay, well, I thought it's board. important to get rolling as you head into October. We'll find out if that's possible yeah. because we got a tough question on our hands today. Mm-hmm. But at least it comes from one of our favorite trivia guest stars. So let's bring her back from, I'm pretty sure, the 12th time. <laughs> it's Paul McCord. Uh, you may know him on social media as Brave Stats. Paul. Welcome back to Starkville. Thank you, guys. I, I, I know I'm not ready for a, a statue quite yet, but one of those keys will be nice. You want yeah. a key to the city? Yes. Doug, yeah. where do we stand on the well, key to the city manufacturing? Well, since we're always in hotels here, I, there are virtual keys, you know, oh. so you can go, you know, so you can just, you know, check in early and we can send you a virtual key in the meantime. And, okay, uh, so you, you just program it into his phone then? Yes, yes, that's it. And you just hit the, hit the okay. app. Um, and then eventually we'll have doors to go to with these keys at some point whenever Starkville really opens. Paul, look for that. I don't know when. <laughs> but enough of this. Uh, Paul, do you have any any idea how many times you've been here stumping us with your evil trivia questions? I am pretty sure this is my fourth. And I think you've gotten 
two of the past three correct. Mm, really? Okay. I think All so. Right. You know. Wow. I, it's pretty... funny. I was thinking back. I couldn't remember any we got right. <laughs> uh, uh, back in July 21, my, my Starkville debut, that was uh, a relief pitcher question about – the fastest, re- uh, well, pitchers of all, but oh, there were relievers to uh, 500 career strikeouts. Um, oh. And so you guys, I think, yeah. got the, uh, I think all five of that. And we only Whoa, needed four. Wow. I think that's, that's when the Glenville line like debuted us? before it was named. Nice. Very nice. <laughs> okay. Doug, this man deserves a key. Yeah. Okay. Definitely key. Um, all right. Well, I, I don't know what's in store for us this week, but I do want to find out. So, Paul? Why don't you hit us with your question? All right. Well, as of uh, yesterday, September 21st, Miguel Cabrera has 3,167 career hits, Mm. 510 of which are home runs, and he's got a 306 career batting average that rounds up to 307 on his baseball cards. In the full history of Major League Baseball, only three players have more home runs and more hits than Miggy. Only four players have more home runs and a higher batting average than Miggy. No players on both lists, so that means it's seven different players, which reveals the fun fact that inspired the question. Miggy is the only player ever with 500 more home runs, 3,100 or more hits, and a 306 or better batting average, which is, of course, his batting average. So seven players, three with more homers and hits, four with more homers and batting average. Can you name them? Do you only want to take one of the two groups? Ooh. All right. Well, first off, apparently Miggy was pretty good. Yeah. Who knew? Wow. Miggy appreciation question this week. <laughs> yeah, he would. Okay. Second, we really don't have time to do both. We're on a pretty tight schedule this week. Um, maybe we can bring you back uh, yeah. at some point down see, the road and yeah, we'll try the other one. Um, I, I, I would say, Doug, let's, let's go for the three players in history with more homers and more hits than Miggy. Does that sound yeah. right? That sounds right. You know, average is always tricky. But um, yeah, yeah home runs, hard. home runs and hits. Yeah, that I mean that's amazing. There's only three. So yeah, uh, well, wow. Um, yeah, I mean the good news is whoever it is, we'll have heard of them. Yeah. <laughs> okay. You know, uh, in theory, we should get this. Uh, if I remember this right from the other day, Miggy just moved into 16th place on the all-time hits list. Mm-hmm. So that means there's only 15 players ahead of him. Okay. I mean, some of those we know didn't hit 500 homers. So let's think about this, Doug. Um, this is all you, by the okay, way. Hank Aaron. Okay, Hank Aaron's obviously yes, one. I, Remember, I, Paul I is a Braves Aaron. fan. We we know that Henry Aaron is one of the answers. Yes, I like it. Uh, Willie Mays mm-hmm. is ahead of him in both, right? I, I would think. I believe I think I would, he is, right? So then who else? Um, did I, I guess these would be my questions. Did Griffey get enough hits? Did Albert get enough hits? And how about Frank Robinson? And how about Eddie Murray? Uh, those were four names I thought of pretty quickly. Whoa. So, Doug, who's on your list? I mean, there's really nobody on my list. That's just an amazing list. So, 3,000 hit and... 31 31 right. hits. Well, 3,167, right. So, there's a lot, lot yeah. more. Ooh. Wow, well, those are great names. Um, I, yeah, I definitely had Aaron Mays, and so, then I kind of go draw a blank here. Okay, I mean, so Griffey pa- had like Palmero was in the 500 homer 3,000 hit club, right? But I don't, I don't. I mean, he, I don't, I don't think he's ahead of Miggy. I because it all, it all fell off the table pretty abruptly. Yeah. Um, for, for reasons we don't want to get into. Um, 
Well, okay. So you I'll like Aaron? Yeah, I, I like Aaron and Mays. I mean, that's you know, at least those are good, strong answers. I mean, yeah, whether they have thirty-one fifty-nine, you know, I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know about, right? <laughs> I know. But, okay, so Albert, we know got more than he, yeah. he beat the homers. Well, you know, he got the homers. Yeah. Right. Did he get to? Th- I mean, the well, hits. Well, you mentioned the fifteen. Come, you mentioned the fifteen players, like. All right, like all right, five hundred home runs. There's a lot there, or three thousand. Yeah, hits. like Rose and yeah, Cobb and right. Jeter, like guys like that are not. Yes, they didn't get five hundred homers. You know, this is we can eliminate a lot. Yes, but <laughs> the problem is, we can't employ your devious cheating scheme this week. We got to actually get the three. So, I don't know. Feels like kind of Aaron Mays and Pujols to me, but it could be Eddie Murray. It could be I mean, Palmero. I know they're definitely in that club. Three thousand hit Pujols. He got. He got. I mean, he, we, he got six hundred homers. Did he yeah. get thirty, close to thirty-two hundred hits? I, I, can't, I don't think he did. But he a lot of hits. So we have he had Griffey, a big second half. We have Junior. I don't know all the injuries at the end. Did he get that many hits? He got three thousand, though, right? I, I, I don't think he's got the hits. I, I don't. Yeah. Um, I think it's. Uh, I think it's Murray, Palmero, or Pujols, now that I think about it. Ooh, boy. All right. I'm, I'm, I played with Palmero, so I'll just say no, since I don't remember my career half the time. Uh, I was on the field for, I think it was 400, <laughs> so that was interesting. Um, so, wait, Murray and Albert? <clears throat> I mean, so Aaron Mays and either Murray or Albert, if you're eliminating Palmero. Oh, this is terrible. Um, Palmero have that many hits. That's amazing. I don't know. I made a flip a coin here. Albert. I mean, we should. <laughs> Albert was like recent. <laughs> like when that. he retired. I mean, did he walk too much or something? Like Murray. Well, he's in the. He's got 600 homers and over 3,000 hits. The question is, did he? Get close enough to thirty-two hundred uh, hits. That's a lot of hits. That's where it's we like have another two hundred hit season. I, like I would guess him, but that's that's my gut feel. It seems pretty obvious if we just guess him. Yeah. I don't know. I don't. There's. I don't know how tricky Paul is. Yeah, I can't remember. Right. Well, we we can go. Let's just guess. We can go. I mean, we can go. Albert. That would be amazing. We, I mean, Murray is right, so deadly too. All right. Well, we okay, can go. Let, Albert. Let, let, 20, okay. Twenty whatever years I, he played. Yeah, that that's that's exactly right. You know, Paul, this turned out to be harder than I thought it would be when I first started thinking about the question. So let's just get it over with. Any chance that we got this right? And it's Aaron, Mays, and Pujols. All right. So Aaron, 3,771 hits, third all time, 755 home runs. Mays, 3,293 hits, 660 homers, was third all time for a very long time until... Albert Pujols, well, Bonds. Albert Pujols, 703 home runs, 3,384 hits. You got it, Whoa, guys. we got it right. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> wow. We did it. We did it. Oh, my God. You guys were really? all over it, too. Murray missed it just barely on the home runs, 504, but had him in the Ooh. hits. Griffey was just under 2,800. Yeah, uh, and then Palmero, he got the 3,000 and retired shortly thereafter. He finished at 3,020 hits. Oh, yeah. wow. Okay. So, Man, Doug. That was crazy. Like, okay, this means that we've done something we've never done. Oh. We've gotten at least one trivia question <laughs> right every month of the season. Ooh. 
Ooh, is man. that good? It feels good to me. Uh, yeah, can we? We have to build a statue now. I love statues, so we're gonna have to come up with something. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and, to and commemorate. And can I just <laughs> say, actually ever get I do want to say thank you because I, I just realized something. Uh, you guys had me on for the uh, the opening day, your first one of the year, for that stolen base question um, because of all the rule changes this year. So I feel like I've, I've wow. kind of capped the season for you guys. And, yeah, yeah, you have. And I was going to say, this feels good. The Braves into their skid. They're coming back on strong. You guys Ooh, are now cruising yeah. into October. So I feel yeah. playoffs. This is great. All right. I feel right. Okay. Let me hear this. But enough of this chit-chat because here's what you have to keep in mind. Whether we get the questions right or wrong, this segment always at this stage takes a turn for the better because – you don't have us mucking it up anymore, for at least for the next couple of minutes. Time to bring in the mayor of Starkville, Tim McMaster, to play another fantastic play-by-play clip involving this week's answer. So, Tim, so many great choices for you this week. Can't wait to see what you play. So we used Maze last week on the catch for defense, no. right? And uh, oh, and right. we've used the Aaron record breaker many times. So I decided to go with Albert because I thought it might be the one you guys struggled with and you came through. I thought you were going to talk through. yourselves out of it, but you came through. So let's <laughs> go back best. to one of Albert's gems, 2005 NLCS against the Astros. Oh, on the pool. In the air left field and Pools has given St. Louis the lead. A dramatic towering three-run home run. Stunned in disbelief here in Houston. A single by Eckstein, a walk to Edmonds, and how about Albert Pools? How about Albert Pools? Brad Lidge just turned us off. (laughs) 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 Not his favorite postseason moment. Uh, I'll never forget that, Homer. Never. I was sitting in that original press box in Houston, right behind home plate, right behind all these fans who were, their team was one out away from going to their first World Series. They were hugging. They were taking selfies. They were going to the World Series. And then I can still see the baseball hanging there in the sky. It was breathtaking. Oh, my God. Breathtaking. Uh, So, Paul, great job, man. As always, great question. Thanks for making yet another trip to Starkville. Um, your virtual key is not in the mail or in your phone, but look for it. <laughs> well, thanks <laughs> Thank for having you. me. It's beautiful this time of year. Yeah, right. I'm, I'm sure I'll see you in Atlanta this right. year. I'm, I'm pretty confident of that. Strange but true. Doug, way back, six months ago, seven months ago, our very first guest of spring trading, if you remember this, was Adam Wainwright. And now we're moving into the final week of his career. And, I mean, we're going to miss him, although if he's not hanging out in somebody's broadcast booth for the next 20 years, uh, ESPN or Fox or Turner or somebody is just asleep at the switch. But that just sets the stage for, here it is, it's time for his greatest career achievement. And you probably think I'm talking about him winning his 200th game. Not quite. I mean him being celebrated in the Strange But True segment of this show. Of course. Doug, That's what I thought. Could it possibly get any bigger than that? No, I, I assume that, you know, the, the 200 would have surprised me. I was all over this. Uh, he's been to Starkville. Uh, like many others, he probably has a statue and a key. 
and um, he's doing great. Life is good. Yeah. All right. So let's explain how he made it into the segment. It's not just because he won his 200th game last Monday. It's because of how he won it. So, Doug, I want you to listen to how that happened. It was a nothing-nothing game. Wilson Contreras stepped to the plate, and here's what Wilson Contreras did. On a roll. Air ball hammered down the line. Did he keep it fair? Chip, this thing got out of the ballpark in a hurry. Chip Carey got a little excited there. (laughs) Okay, so that's Adam Wainwright's catcher, Wilson Contreras, hitting a home run for the only run in Adam Wainwright's 200th win. So that's pretty cool, right? Oh, yeah. It is. Fitting. Battery. But it's not. Battery. Yeah. It's Okay, now it's time, though, to explain what made it strange but also true. Uh, Back on opening day of the 2014 season, Adam Wainwright won the 100th game of his career, Mm -hmm. went seven shutout innings in that game, went seven shutout innings in this game. I'm going to keep going. How do you think the only run scored in the 100th win? Would you believe Mm. on a home run by his catcher that day? I wouldn't believe it. Yachty Molina. Mm. And just, to remember that had the only run score in the 200th win on a home run by the catcher. But Doug, I'm not done. No. Okay. How many other pitchers in history do you think have ever won their 200th game one to nothing on a home run by their catcher? I'm going to go with zero. Zero is a good guess. That's correct. Uh, the the answer is zero. Never happened till Adam Wainwright did it mm. last Monday. Okay, I'm going to keep going. Yes. How many other one nothing games in Adam Wainwright's career did he win on any kind of RBI by his catcher? Whoa. Other than win number a hundred and win number two hundred. Whoa. That has to be zero too. You're good at this. That would also be zero. Okay. Like it gives me goosebumps. How about you? I mean, so, all right. So he's won 200 games. The 100th and 200th game that he won were on what we're in one nothing games where the only run was by a home run by his catcher. That's what you're saying. And then none of the other 198 wins did that happen. That's what you're telling me. That's exactly okay. what I'm telling you. Yep. <laughs> I mean, I mean, well, you know, Wainwright Molina, the it's like the it's the ultimate battery. So it just seems fitting yes. positive and minus and negative, and the ultimate <laughs> balance. Uh, you know, it's what what a career and and he he is so much of like a a, a catcher's pitcher, right? That's how I think about Wainwright, and it's uh it's fitting that like when he gets these milestones, he truly is celebrating it with his catcher in, in the finest fashion in a moment that the yeah. catcher contributed. So uh, I think it, it's the catcher paying him it, back. Yeah, it works exactly really right. well. Uh, I got one more, Doug. Yes. How many other games all season do you think there have been Ooh. in which any starting pitcher on any team mm-hmm. won a one nothing game on a home run by his catcher? Well, I, we like zeros on the show, so I'm going to stay with zero. <laughs> 
<laughs> right. It's zero again. So here's my final question. How great is baseball? Huh? How great is baseball? Too great. Too great. What scripts? Yep. All right. That is going to do it for this week's show. We'll be bringing you podcast magic just like this all season long on The Athletic Baseball Show, which is available in its entirety absolutely free everywhere you get your podcasts. But also remember that you too can be part of this very podcast because every show we pick some fun listener trivia question. Then what happens, Doug? That lucky listener gets to join us right here and try to stump us with some baseball trivia. That didn't work out very well for Paul McCord today now, did it? Nope. <laughs> no. Gotcha. No. Uh, so how could you go down that road? Well, you could do what Paul McCord did. You could email us mm-hmm. at Starkville at theathletic.com. That's Starkville with an E on the end of Starkville. Yep. Or check out my Facebook fan page. Gotten some fun questions there. Or you can do what most people do. Just X at us on the site we used to call Twitter. Mm-hmm. So, Doug, let's recap one more time how someone would go about Xing a question <laughs> to Doug Landry. Well, first of all, when in doubt, the answer is zero. So that I think we we might have to do our our new like <laughs> Not in this bonus case. show Starkville Zero. I think it'd be kind of cool. Uh, <laughs> but if you want to X me, whatever that is at X, just spell my name out. And right now it's still an at, so I'm going to stay with that. At Doug Glanville, D O U G G L A N B I L L E. That's it. Doug correctly spells his name every week. Yeah. It's incredible. I only have to spell my first well, it's name. It's on the screen here, too. You can get it. So that helps. It's right here on the Zoom screen. Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. I, right. I cheated. So you're cheating. Yeah, I'm cheating. Yeah. I only have to spell my first name. I am at Jason S-T, J-A-Y-S-O-N-S-T. Don't leave out that Y. And also, don't leave out the hashtag Starkville QS. So, Doug, thanks for playing. Thanks to Terry Francona for the great mm. visit. Thanks to Paul McCord for the fun trivia question. Thanks to the mayor of Starkville, Tim McMaster, for producing us and putting up with us. And Doug and I will see you next week on Starkville. Starkville.